Welcome to the Pep Talk with James and Zach, the number one podcast for NFL news, analysis, and breakdowns. Let's get into it. All right, so on this wonderful Wednesday, we're going to talk about a little bit of news that's been going around for this past week in the NFL. Um, I think we'll start off with the obvious one, the big topic of the week, Antonio Brown walking out halfway through the third quarter, the Buccaneers game. Pretty interesting moment there, not something that I have ever seen before, but nonetheless, wouldn't expect from anyone else. You know, I got to say, I had this happen uh, at a fourth grade, when I was in fourth grade in a Little League game, uh, and I truly never, I mean, to the point of having the, the jersey taken off, going across the field shirtless, uh, and I really truly never thought I'd see it again, <laughs> let alone see it from adults. Uh, but if there was anybody who was going to do that, it was going to be Antonio Brown. So, Yeah, I mean, it was crazy. But so I don't know what else going into it and, like, what's going on with him. I've heard a couple different things, a couple different rumors. I heard Bruce Arians said that he tried to put Antonio Brown into the game twice. Antonio Brown has claimed that he's injured with his ankle injury, and he basically refused to go into the game. So Bruce Arians told him to leave, and he did. So, I mean, you got to respect the guy for doing what he's told. Yeah, I mean, you can go to the locker room from the sideline without causing such a spectacle. You don't got to rip your pads off or cause a scene. Uh, you know, I think the biggest issue is Antonio Brown's surrounded by a bunch of yes men. Uh, there was a lot of conversation within his private circles about how he needed to get to an independent doctor to diagnose what's going on. Uh, but according to Arians, this, that was the first he'd heard of any injury. Uh, I mean, what's there to say? I mean, it's Antonio Brown. It's kind of weird to be hoping that somebody's mentally ill because if he's not, then he's just a bad person, you know? Like, I don't like to just speak ill of people, but, I mean, going all the way back to the Pittsburgh days, I mean, we almost forget he does so many things that are detrimental to his family, to his team, to everybody around him. Uh, but he does so many things that you forget about the first 10 things he did. Uh, but it just never seems to be uh, – it's a never-ending cycle with him. Uh, you know, it would make more sense if he is mentally ill. Uh, Tom Brady has to question him why he's been trying to keep this guy playing football uh, outside of his own personal gain because Antonio Brown has done nothing over the last four years to prove that he deserves to be on a football field in any capacity. Yeah, and so. he's played for multiple teams. I mean, he went to the Raiders, Patriots, and then Bucks. Yeah, like really. I mean, he's been okay for playing with Tom Brady, but when Tom Brady's your quarterback, anyone's going to be okay. Yeah. So, uh, definitely interesting. I'll be interested to see if he gets another shot in the NFL. I heard some guy talking about it today, and he was saying how he thinks that, you know, as a football player that, that has that kind of talent, that no matter what you do, you're going to get another shot somewhere, and somebody's going to want you. But I just think that, like, maybe if this was the only incident that happened with him, like, he was – perfectly fine up until now and then he like stormed out maybe he'd get another shot but I just think with like his history and stuff I don't think he's gonna play in the NFL again yeah it's hard to believe I mean the only reason that he has a job is because of Tom Brady yeah uh, if Tom Brady wasn't with the Buccaneers if he was still with the Patriots Bill Belichick was done with him uh, he wasn't gonna play as a Patriot any longer and then Bruce Arian said Antonio Brown will never be a, a Buccaneer uh, then Brady talked him into it, said, we need to give this guy a chance. And so really nobody else wanted him. Uh, 
I think that he's done so many things that a team just doesn't want to take that chance on it because so many more, so many of the, the contenders have built cultures of success and cultures of wanting to be there and, and proving that you deserve to be there. Uh, and you just can't bring a guy in like that. That's so selfish, so self-centered uh, and then tell everybody else. Yeah, we have a team first mentality, but we're going to hire this guy who clearly doesn't care about the team just cares about his own receptions and his paychecks. So yeah, I'd have a hard time believing that he's going to get another shot in the NFL. Uh, that being said, the Buccaneers haven't even released him yet. So who knows what ownership is going to say and things like that. They may go over Bruce Arians head. He may continue to play for the Buccaneers uh, with Tom Brady. So I don't know. I hope he gets out of the NFL, gets the help he needs. You know, if he's, if he is sick, if not, I still hope he gets the help he needs because he's just proven over about 15 different incidences that he's just not okay. So, yeah. yeah. Another thing I heard, which would be interesting. It's from a very like uncredible source, but something to think about is with the season winding down um, incentives and bonuses. So he had been targeted on, I think it was 32.7% of his routes, which was, I believe it was third or fourth most in the NFL. And um, so, I mean, he gets targeted a lot, but if you think about it, like maybe something that could cause that is like you're about to hit a bonus, so like 50 receptions on the year, and then they just stop throwing you the ball, save themselves a little bit of money. I did hear that. See, that I don't was know the, how true that is. Yeah, no, I think that was the initial idea of saying maybe that was what was happening, but Arians was trying to get him into the football game. Uh, yeah. You know, he had been targeted in this game. He had just gone 15 targets the week before. Uh, there was no reason to believe he wasn't going to get the targets this week and the upcoming week uh, with how things had been going. So and when you're told to go into the football game two different times and you're saying, no, I'm too hurt. Uh, again, he didn't look super hurt when he went jumping jack and off the field. So, yeah, uh, I, I don't think it's that. But I'll be interested to see. Obviously, there'll be a lot of reports. This guy faked a vaccine passport, though, so. Uh, it's hard to say if he's not going to just fake some MRIs as well and tell the, you know, get some lawyers involved and try to sue the Buccaneers and have it all come out in court that he's just certifiably insane. So, yeah, it'll definitely be interesting to see what happens with him. Um, I'm looking forward to all the reports coming out because I think that a lot of people want to know what really happened there. And if it really was just him not wanting to go into the game and getting kicked out, then I think that dude has some working on himself to get done absolutely but yeah other than that um i feel like it's been a pretty big week and there's so much going on that like i don't even know where to start start with tj watt tj watt man i i'll be the first person to say i didn't think that he was gonna get five sacks in the game which he didn't but he almost did four sacks yeah and so on espn i was watching it they were saying how he was five away from I don't know whose record it was, but stray hands. Yeah, twenty-two and a half sacks in the season, and how he, he was five away, and they were like, "Oh yeah, he's gonna tie it in this game." And I was like, "There's no way you can just say a dude's gonna come out and get five sacks in the game," and he almost did. So I'm impressed. I thought he was good before. I think he's a little better than I thought he was. Yeah, I gotta say, Brett Favre's a much better man than Baker because. You know, Brett Favre took a fall to give Strahan that 22-and-a-half sack mark. Uh, it's it's well-known. It's very obvious. Brett Favre could have rolled out to his right and thrown the ball away, but he just fell on the ground and 
I mean, Strahan didn't even tackle him. He just fell on the ground at Strahan's feet, uh, which we see quarterbacks do, but you don't see Brett Favre do that kind of thing. Um, the thing that kind of amazes me, just going through fan forums and different things, just the amount of hate uh, that TJ Watt gets. And I think it's because within that division, there's Miles Garrett, who's arguably the top defensive player in the league. He's right there with TJ Watt, Aaron Donald, uh, Micah Parsons coming up to give him his due. Uh, but it's just amazing how many people think that TJ Watt doesn't deserve uh, recognition for having 21 and a half sacks in a regular season. Uh, the old school regular season, he would have had 21 and a half sacks in a 17 game season or a 16 yeah. game season, which is what it has always been. So he nearly broke the record and he'll likely, uh, look to see double teams, triple teams, everything they can um, this upcoming week because he could easily go for another sack and a half, three sacks in this next game and set the record by a pretty wide margin, uh, which would be pretty spectacular because, you know, J.J. JJ Watt has done it, 20 and a half sacks, two times. Uh, It's just just incredible what these Watt brothers have done. So I'm kind of just in awe. I'm a Steelers fan too, so I definitely root for them on the side. So – um, I'm certainly biased in that aspect. Yeah, and I think he has a good situation coming up for him uh, against the Ravens this week as Lamar Jackson's out. So, I mean, you don't have to try to sack Lamar, even though he's not playing great football right now. I think now. he'd be better off if he was trying to sack Lamar. I think he had like really? four sacks in a game against Lamar earlier this season. So oh, did he? He just happens to get after Lamar in a good way. So, he likes um, him. Yeah, but in any case, I think that it's a good matchup. Mobile quarterbacks who like to get out, and TJ is really great at, at – hitting his initial burst and then getting his eyes up and watching, uh, you know, finding the lanes that those quarterbacks are trying to get to and then attacking. And that's how he actually gets a lot of his sacks. So I think that it is a good matchup going up against the Ravens, which would be so sweet for Steelers fans for that record to be set against a divisional rival after having four sacks against the Browns. Uh, yeah, just all around good, good play for the Steelers. Yeah, they're in a good situation. So is T.J. Watt, though. I think, like, there's not – of a much better team that he could have gone to than the Steelers. Yeah. Yeah, it's a shame that the rest of the defense hasn't played up to their potential. Uh, the secondary has been pretty poor. Uh, you know, the the run game, they've not been great at stopping the run. Uh, they typically are running the opposite side of the formation or direct, right up the middle of the formation. Um, but they've got so many good pieces. It's going to be interesting. Obviously, it seems that Ben has played his last home game as a Steeler. Uh, that was pretty indicative of what we saw this uh, this last week so uh, they've got a lot of pieces to build around tj's most likely just coming into his prime if he can continue to stay mostly healthy because ultimately he did this in 14 games but if you count the two games that he didn't play the the whole games of he really only played 12 games to get 21 and a half sacks yeah which is which nuts. pretty unreal crazy crazy um let's see uh also micah parsons is out not crazy. Big Most news. likely out. No, Most no. likely. This COVID with the change in uh, with the change in protocols, he could come back, I believe. But yeah, a couple uh, negative tests or something like that. Yeah, asymptomatic and then and those things. So, um, but we were looking at that with the Cowboys playing the Eagles. Obviously, the Cowboys are pretty in, but they could sneak the Eagles in. Is that right? In more. Or Eagles are at seven, right? Eagles now. are at seven. So I think they could play the Eagles out of the playoffs with a win. So that could get interesting if Mike Parsons isn't there. Um, NFC is a lot less exciting than the AFC as far as playoffs go. Yeah. Um, but there could be some implications there as well. 
Yeah, no. Uh, NFC's pretty locked down besides maybe the Saints jumping in. Saints jumping in, Eagles jumping out. I mean, that's basically all the action there in the NFC. But the AFC, man, I don't know what's going to happen there. It's crazy. Yeah, let's run through some matchups and we'll kind of see yeah. what chances people have based on what we're seeing there and, and how things play out. So okay, let me pull up the schedule. Um, okay, coming down, we'll just take it from the top with the Titans playing the Texans this week. Uh, they're currently sitting at number one. Uh, Chiefs at number two. Where are you? Looking at the playoff picture here. Oh, I thought we were going to go through the scores. You want to? Let's go through the scores. Of last week? No, this week. Or the, the, the upcoming matches. Let's take a look at the upcoming matches. Oh, okay, okay. okay. And, we'll, and we'll look at what those implications look like. <clears throat> All right, we'll go through the playoffs as we go through the schedule. Yeah. All right. All right, cool, cool. Sweet. Okay. Got more Saturday games this week. How exciting is that? Hate them. It's the absolute worst. I don't know. Some people think like the more days of football, the better. Uh, I'm definitely not one of those people. I want to watch football on the days I'm watching football. I don't want to have to make plans around it. Uh, and I think that this is just going to become a more normal thing, uh, especially late in the season and then playoffs. So um, obviously playoffs are always Saturday, Sunday. And yeah. So this is just more Saturday, Sunday stuff. Uh, but you just got to buy in. And I guess it gives you more kind of prime time games you can key in on, uh, which Chiefs, Broncos, Cowboys, Eagles, not necessarily the most exciting games, but a win here for the Chiefs and a loss by the Titans can have the Chiefs back in that number one spot, Mm -hmm. uh, playing a a scrappy Broncos team, as we've talked about. So uh, they are playing at Mile High Stadium. So... Definitely a bit of a trap game for Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs against that secondary. Uh, you could look to see them do some stuff. But then again, that defense has been playing so good, it's hard to imagine that they're just going to fall off now and and not carry this team like they have been. So uh, I like the Chiefs' chances here, but definitely an opportunity for the Broncos to make a statement going into the or going into the offseason, yeah. gearing up for next year. What do you think? Um, yeah, I definitely am taking the Chiefs here, but not – not by much. I definitely think it'll be a, a pretty good fight there. Um, I'm saying Kansas City takes it by like 10 points maybe, like a 24-14 kind of game. Um, I I think Denver plays well, but not well enough to take out the Chiefs, if you know what I'm saying. Yeah, the Broncos um, are just historically good at home, so – uh, that'll give them an edge, but yeah, I agree. I just don't think that they've got enough firepower to keep up with the Chiefs when they're rolling. Uh, yeah, and they got to go through that Chiefs defense that's clicking here at the end of the season. So, yeah, and I mean, once once Kansas City starts picking up momentum on offense, then I I don't see a way that the Broncos defense is going to be able to stand in their way if Patrick Mahomes gets rolling. So I'm taking Kansas City in that game, and then. Yeah, I don't know if they'll move to number two or stay number one. We'll get into that later, though. Um, other Saturday game, Dallas-Philadelphia, which I think is going to be a pretty good game. A little bit of playoff implications there. Uh, not too much, but... Yeah, so the, I guess looking at this, Philadelphia is clinched. Uh, if Dallas were to lose, they might drop down uh, if, with the Cardinals win. Uh, so there's some, some seeding things that could go on there. 
But I think that Philadelphia is pretty much locked in because uh, they have they must have a tiebreaker over New Orleans or the Niners. They have a win over the Saints. So even if okay, the Saints yeah, yeah. match their record, they're still there. Uh, but I think it's still a huge game for the Eagles. They want to try to win this to get that momentum coming into the playoffs, uh, going up against a really, really tough Cowboys team. But if Micah Parsons doesn't play, I guess that's a real good opportunity for this Cowboys defense to see how much is Dan Quinn and, and scheme and everything they have going on there and how much is their young rookie playmaker uh, making a difference because – uh, Jalen Hurts, he's going to get out of the pocket. He's going to move. He's not going to – he's going to wow you with his arm and the extent and some of the throws he'll make, but uh, he's going to beat you with his legs uh, as that team does all around. So, yeah, yeah, definitely. I think it's a huge game as far as momentum coming into the playoffs because uh, this is basically, you know, a best of best of series right now coming into the playoffs. And so you got to look at the Cowboys to want to come away from this one with a big statement win. Uh just to get just to get people to respect him in the playoffs, you know. Yeah, and there's a lot going around right now with like Mike McCarthy and um, just like not quite coaching ability. I know it's a big thing with his clock management right now, as he couldn't challenge that. Um, what was it? Pass interference the other game? Pass interference play because he had burned through all their timeouts. So I mean, there's definitely questions there with Mike McCarthy, but. Um, a lot of people are like knocking the Cowboys just because Mike McCarthy is their head coach, but I don't think that that's going to make much of a difference. I mean, they're eleven and five, so they they've shown that they can win even with him as their head coach. So I don't see any any difference there as far as altering the game. So I think that um, Cowboys are taking it. Yeah, I think that you know they have a win over the Patriots, a win over the Chargers. Uh... Those are about the most spectacular wins they have this season. Uh, they lost to the Cardinals. They lost to the Raiders, the Chiefs, uh, Buccaneers. So they've pretty much lost to the majority of the playoff teams that they've played. So they beat the Eagles, but Eagles are a fringe playoff team. They yeah. just got lucky with the, way the things that panned out over there in the NFC to be locked in uh, in Week 18 here. So, yeah, this is a big one. They got to they gotta get this sweep here. Uh, to keep moving, and like I said, you got to have some sort of a fear factor if you're coming. If somebody's coming into your stadium to play, they've got to be concerned that you're the team to beat, uh, because mentality is so important during the playoffs. And we'll just have to see if the uh, the Cowboys and Mike McCarthy have that uh, get it and win it mentality that they have to have. Definitely. All right, and then moving into the Sunday games, got a bunch of them. Uh, first up, we'll go over. Cincinnati Cleveland, which has some, uh, in my opinion, game changing updates with Cincinnati. Joe Mixon is out with COVID, most likely. Or no, he will be out because he tested positive. He's yeah. Out so Mixon's out. They're sitting Burrow. Um, Baker Mayfield's out yeah. with shoulder at se- season ending shoulder surgery. Say that one five times fast. Uh, so. Everything's up in the air here. Uh, Bengals are basically just playing for a seed at this point. So, mm-hmm. But everything else is completely out of their controls about who they're going to match up against. So I think they're just coming out of this, trying to get everybody healthy. Uh, Mixed and having COVID, you know, as long as he's healthy and doesn't, you know, stays asymptomatic, that there should be a good opportunity for him to rest. 
uh, just because I think he had a lot of carries this season. Because I seen he was one of the 300-plus carries players. Yeah, they definitely like to use him, but they're also not afraid to use Joe Burrow. But uh, 292, so he got close to the 300-carry mark. Uh, so getting that rest will be good for him, good for uh, Joey. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, so I don't think there's a lot going on with that as far as playoff implications, but um, I'm not even going to speculate on who's going to win that one just because we don't know who's going to even be playing. But, honestly, the Browns probably take this one away uh, as long as they don't rest their uh, running backs and they probably just win it in a grinder, you know, something like a 17-13 kind of thing. Yeah. I mean, if you're playing against Cincinnati and they're not playing Joe Burrow, that that changes a lot of things there. Sweet. Uh, we got Green Bay, Detroit. Pretty, pretty easy game for Green Bay coming out of this most likely 14-win season. Yeah, so, well, the Packers rest their starters? That's a good um, question. I don't know, honestly. I mean... I could I could buy that they will probably rest Aaron Rodgers. I think that I think if they're it, you know it's always tough so that, so especially for them they've got a buy. I mean you're you're essentially looking at the opportunity to have a two week buy going to the playoffs, which uh, with the way that only one team gets the buy this season uh, and last season as well, but one team from each conference is going to get a buy. So if you're the Packers, you have the opportunity to have a two week buy. Obviously, that could affect rhythm, and so you could be looking at let's play our guys because we have this week off coming up. Um, but at the same time, you could get really, really healthy, have guys feeling really, really good, maybe practice with a little bit more intensity during that bye week because you kind of get that bye week this week. So I think if the Packers really think about it, I think resting guys, you know, maybe bring them out for a couple series or something, but you know, let the backups play it out. I think that's the move for them, but there's no real major word on what's going to happen as far as if they're going to rest them or not. Yeah, I think this will probably look like a uh, preseason game almost. I think you'll see Green Bay come out with like starters for like the first quarter maybe, and then after that I can see them putting in all their backups and letting them get a little bit of playing time. So, But either way, I think it'll be a pretty easy win for Green Bay. I think they're going to roll over the, the poor Lions – yeah, um, I want to say that the Lions will will do something here, but you know, especially if Jared Goff isn't back, then there's really not a lot of chance there. Yeah, basically just curling up. Sweet Chicago and Minnesota, both teams that have been eliminated from the playoffs, so it doesn't even matter. But for the sake of it, gosh, it makes you wonder: should you even play your starters in that? No, you know, will they play any starters? I mean, are you playing for pride at this point in the season, especially now that it's an 18-game season? Yeah, think about it. This is an extra game. You've already played out the usual 17 games or 16 games. Uh, yeah, what's the point? I mean, Dalvin Cook has a history of knee issues. Uh, Justin Jefferson, you know, he's already got 1,500 yards and nine touchdowns. They're not going to break any records. Uh, you know, I guess – records through two years or three years, whatever those might be. Uh, but yeah, I think that if I'm these guys, I'm just resting all the major pieces. The last thing you need is somebody getting a torn ACL going into the off season. Cause both these teams were just a couple of pieces away from being major contenders this year. They were in some really, really good games. It just had some things fall the wrong way. Uh, 
Yeah, I mean, if the Vikings get that win over the Lions, who knows? Maybe they're playing for a playoff spot this weekend. But uh, that being said, I don't know what will happen. But if I'm them, if I'm anybody that's out of the playoffs, week 18, I'm putting all the starters on the bench, just bringing out the scrubs, letting them get playing time. Maybe guys that you you drafted this season and didn't get playing time, get them in there, see what they're capable of in some real game time. But, you know, other than that, couple of teams that just fell short and yeah, look forward to seeing what they can do next year. Yeah, definitely. Um, you got another game with both teams eliminated in Washington and New York. So I think you'll see the same thing there, bringing out backup stuff like that. So yeah. just getting down to the end of the season where not a lot of teams are going to want to risk their starters on trying to get these last second wins that don't matter. Yeah. If anything, I, I would expect the Washington football team to play their full starters uh, just because it's Ron Rivera. It's river boat river gambling river boat, Ron Rivera, Ron river boat. Anyways, you get the picture. <laughs> something, um, like that. something like that. Uh, he wants to win. He, he, he's building the culture over there. So maybe it's a little bit different, but yeah, I agree. It's definitely nothing, nothing uh, earth shattering there. Uh, just between them, six and ten, Washington versus the four and twelve Giants. So, all right, that wraps up all of the games that are irrelevant. Now, I think all of the ones from here on out have some implications. Have some implications, maybe. Yeah. Okay, we'll just start with Indianapolis and Jacksonville. Pretty big game, not for Indianapolis. Sort of. Well, I guess it kind of is. I mean, they're a win and in. So they got they got to win this. Um, if they lose, then they got to rely on a lot of people losing. If um, they lose, I think they have bigger problems in the playoffs because they lost to Trevor Lawrence. They haven't lost. They haven't won in Jacksonville since 2013. They were six and zero in Jacksonville. Huh? They're six and zero in Jacksonville since then. But no. Yeah. Jacksonville is six and zero. No, the Colts haven't won. In Jacksonville. That's what I said. Yeah, that's what I said. I just said I said the Colts have to win. They haven't won there, and you said they're six and zero. What are you doing to me right now? I'm talking about the Jaguars. You got to say right? the Jaguars are six and zero. Come on, man. They can't see it. The listeners can't see it. Yeah, Jaguars are six and zero at home. So against the Colts. That's you want to think that it's just an automatic win, just because you know the Patriots just hung fifty on them, but you just never know. Uh, I would expect I would expect it to be a scrappy game just because it's a divisional game. Uh, Trevor Lawrence has been terrible though, absolutely terrible this season. He's thrown the ball nearly 600 times, uh, completing just 58 percent of his passes. Hasn't been good. So big disappointment there. A lot of teams are going to be rooting for the Colts to lose. That's for sure. Well, a lot, but really, it's just two. Well, I guess more than two. About the Steelers and the Ravens. This is good because everyone in the AFC playoff picture right now is playing each other. Well, everyone playing for a spot. Got the Steelers and Ravens who are playing each other. And you got the Raiders and the Chargers who are also playing each other. Yeah, I think so. If the like if the Colts lose and the Raiders lose, then and I the think Chargers go up. And the, the Chargers go, go up. The Raiders go in. And the Colts go out. So that's one more team. If the Raiders lose, they're gonna be counting. They're gonna be hoping the Colts lose. Yeah, 
You know, so a lot of teams resting on Indianapolis here. If Indianapolis wins, though, it just leaves that seven spot open. Uh, and essentially it's going to be the Raiders or the Chargers. So I think we both have the Colts picked to win that game. No doubt. 100%. So we'll just have to see how that turns out. But with the Raiders playing the Chargers, if they tie, interesting scenario here, Colts lose, Chargers and Raiders tie, they both go in. They're both in, which would be just just peachy. Would be very NFL like, you know. Something I think that they shouldn't should purposely happen, tie. Something that shouldn't happen happening. So, yeah. Which, when I look at the Raiders and the Chargers, I gotta believe that the Chargers are gonna come away with this. You have to pick the quarterback here. Uh, Derek Carr coming off a game where, you know, he was able to throw against a Colts defense that really lets you throw against him. And, yeah, so he looked really good last week, but I don't know. I got to take Herbert Herbert company uh, as that playoff spot, which would be huge for the Chargers having drafted Herbert and thinking back to the Dolphins taking Tua over him and who will be playing in the playoffs year two. Mm. I don't know. Two is on a hot stuff. streak. Two is on a hot streak going heading home. Whatever. They're out. They're Anyways, they don't have a shot. I'm picking Chargers as well, not only because I want them to win, but because they will win. And Justin Herbert is a baller, should be MVP, but he won't because Aaron Rodgers is too good. Sweet. Okay. Um. So we kind of went over all of those. Game. So we'll go over Tennessee-Houston because there's a little bit of interestingness here. So Houston and Tennessee are playing. Tennessee currently has a one seed in the AFC. And Chiefs are sitting at two playing the Broncos. So if the Chiefs want to get back to that one seed, they'll have to beat the Broncos, which we just went over. Might be a little bit of a scrappy game. But the Texans also have to play extremely well, and beat the Titans. So, what do you think the chances of that happening are? Well, I mean, the Texans beat the Titans six or seven weeks ago. Lost to the Jets, lost to the Colts, lost to the Seahawks, beat the Jaguars, beat the Chargers, lost to the 49ers. So you think about it, they lost to a Seahawks team, which... We all know when they play to their potential are a top team in the NFL. Their record has been really weird this year. Mm-hmm. Get into that another time. Uh, you know, dropping a game to the Jets, that's a little sus- suspicious. A little sus. Um, but, yeah, I think that they've been playing really solid since they moved on uh, to Davis Mills at quarterback. And they have a great opportunity. Derrick Henry comes back, definitely changes things. Uh, he's an absolute game changer, but it's not in the realm of impossible for the Texans to get a win here. And the Titans have been a little sloppy in must-win games, in my opinion, or under Vrabel. It's almost like he gets too intense, doesn't yeah. focus enough on the, the small things, and the team tends to be really un, undisciplined in those games. So 
I know that the Texans are going to be playing out 110% because anytime that you can affect a divisional rival's playoff chances or seeding, you want to be able to do that in your final week of the season. So uh, I got to say that I'm taking the Titans, but I will not be surprised at all if this turns out to be another scrappy game, another, you know, 17 to 10, 24 to 17 type of game. Yeah, I mean, obviously, if you're looking at this game, you want to say 100% that the Titans are going to win. But, I mean, if you look at the Texans and how they've been playing and who they've beat and how Davis Mills is playing, I mean, it's really hard to say 100% that the Titans will win, considering kind of what you're saying, that how the Titans are typically closing out games. But, I mean, I'm still taking the Titans either way. I just got to them. I don't see any way that they – they can lose this. So I say that they're going in with the one seed playing at home, which is too bad because I really wanted to see the Chiefs with it. Or the Bengals even. Yeah. But it is what it is. Which, as things are sitting now, uh, they'd be basically playing the the winner of – obviously we're assuming Indianapolis wins just because that's like a 95% chance they're winning that game. So then the – well, I guess they'd have the bye. And so then the Chiefs would be playing Chargers Raiders, uh, which would be really interesting. Uh, but I think that that's pretty easy first matchup. For a second, I was thinking, oh, the Titans will be playing the winner. But they get that mm-hmm. first round bye, which yeah. if they bring Henry back this week and he plays, that'll be huge. Uh, you got to wonder if they're even willing to bring him back, though, and risk the chance of him getting hurt, uh, especially with this bye coming up. Um, but you got to win to get the buy. So they're in a really, really interesting position. Yeah. And I would say if Derek Henry is able to come back, I think you should play him just so he has that, like that rep under his belt, almost coming into the playoffs. Cause I think if you just try and take him and put him into the playoffs dry, just off of a, what nine week injury, I think that you're going to see some struggles there, which the Titans I mean, they've been winning without him, so I'm not going to say that they can't afford to have him play bad, but it'll definitely affect the outcome of a playoff spot too when you're playing against another good team. So I think that if you Tennessee, you play Derrick Henry if he's able to come back, which I think he was cleared to, and so that he has that game under his belt, and then he's ready. Hopefully you get that bye week. He'll be rested up for that first playoff game, has that game under his belt, and he'll be good to go. So I think in that situation, playing him is going to be your best bet. But like you're saying, I mean, you do have to think about if it's worth letting him get hurt again. So uh, next game is going to be New Orleans-Atlanta. So we're going to head over to the NFC because this game decides if Atlanta – no, not Atlanta – if New Orleans makes it into the playoffs. So I believe they could take the Eagles' spot if the Eagles lose and they win, I think is what we – No, they could get the 49ers' spot. 49ers' spot, that's right. Yeah, yeah. If they win – so if the the Saints win and the 49ers lose, which the Saints have the Falcons, always a good matchup if you're wanting to win a football game. The 49ers have the Rams, so – Maybe not necessarily the matchup that you want if you want to win a football game. Uh, 49ers played the Rams. 
and one this year already. So, whew, what do you think? What do you think? This is another one of those scenarios where you're like, I, I think I know what will happen, but like it's hard to know for sure. Um, Niners going against the Rams. Uh, you've kind of highlighted before in the past that this uh, Rams team playing well, best team in the NFL, hands down. Um, so I think Niners having to play there definitely – wait, no, they're playing – in San Francisco? Because they played in... That's a good question. I do not have that up. I think they played in L.A. And if they did play in L.A., it would be in San Francisco. So multiple things going into this game is Rams significantly better than the Niners, but it is a NFC West divisional matchup. And I think it was last week that we highlighted on how interesting some of those games can get. So... I mean, I want to say that the Rams are going to beat the Niners, but at the same time, you just never know with these games. Yeah, and so, you know, I got mixed up along the way. I was thinking that Odell's first major game with the Rams was against the Packers, uh, but it was the week before against the 49ers. And so that was the game where they had lost Robert Woods the week the week before they had just signed Odell. So basically they were running without, their, without a true number two receiver uh, with the way that McVay's offense works that is definitely super super huge so yeah I would expect with the way that Odell is playing he's been extremely clutch uh this last week he had two conversions uh one on a fourth down where you know it was like a seven seven yard in and I mean Stafford just absolutely ripped it through to him and he just caught it right in his hands and great catch the kind of catch that you just expect a guy that's known for hands to make and then uh, ran a little speed out, contorted his body after the catch to get get the ball over the pylon. Uh, so he's playing some really clutch football for them right now. So I think that the Rams have to be dialed in. Uh, as we've said, when they play their best 60 minutes, there's nobody that's better than them. And if they, this is kind of another situation like with the Cowboys that I was mentioning earlier. You've got to make a statement. I mean, you're Matt Stafford, you're the Rams, you're Sean McVay, known for uh, you know spectacular offense and things. So. The defense has to step up big. They have to make a statement win here and get that win. And unfortunately for the 49ers, that could potentially push them out of the playoffs. Going back to if the Saints get that W in Atlanta. Yeah, and I mean, I don't know. That's another that's another weird game. So let's take a look at it real quick. So Atlanta's coming in 7-9. and nine. New Orleans is eight and eight, so there's a one game difference there. Um, let's see, are the Saints starting Taysom Hill? Is my question. So Taysom Hill is playing. Now I know that we have kind of hated on Taysom Hill a little bit in the past, but I think that he's going to be a good key for the Saints' offense just because he can. You know, you can put him in a lot of different situations and he can work with what he's given. Um, as far as, I mean, he's lined up at wide receiver numerous times in his career, back with Drew Brees. But um, he's not the quarterback that they're looking for um, long-term, but he might be to beat the Falcons and get him into the playoffs. Yeah, I mean, Taysom Hill, you know, We'll have a game, you know, one out of every five games or so where he will absolutely just tear it up. He'll look like Lamar Jackson out there with a little mix of Joe Montana 
but yeah, when you talk about quarterbacks of the future, I mean, he's 31 years old and he proves over and over again that he's just super inconsistent. Uh, I would expect Sean Payton to do everything he can to make this a conservative game and just play really, really aggressive on defense uh, and just count on the run game and Taysom Hill uh, to just be, you know, conservative and efficient and then have that defense shutting down Matt Ryan and that offense. And I would expect this to be something along those lines. Uh, keep in mind, this is the defense that held Tampa Bay a few weeks ago uh, to no points. So uh, the Falcons are much less of a task at hand in that sense. So I would look at that to be in the game plan and knowing Sean Payton, I imagine that's what he's thinking as well. Yeah. And I mean, the Saints defense isn't like spectacular, but I mean, they're good. And so going up against that Falcons defense that, you know, is struggling a little bit, I think it's a good matchup there for the Saints. And with the spot that they're at right now, trying to get into the playoffs, I think it's a pretty good, pretty good spot for them to be right now. So as far as going against the Falcons there. But um, good game for them, and I look forward to hopefully seeing them in the playoffs. Uh, we got Buffalo playing against the Jets. Um, Buffalo currently sitting at the four seed. They just took the number one in the AFC East over the Patriots. So, I mean, pretty interesting there. They're both 10-6. and six. The Patriots are up with the Dolphins. So, um, have they both won Bills? Bills Patriots, they both won against each other. Yeah, they split. So, so they're both kind of playing for the four seed. The four seed, the record at home. Who who's going to play at home in that aspect if they match up together? Uh, so, Bills ha- Bills are kind of in a must win situation. Patriots are in a must kind of a must win situation. Uh, obviously, the Patriots always feel a lot better if anybody has to come through Foxborough. So, uh, Patriots with the Dolphins. That's not a gimme game. Uh, they lost to them week one. But I'm taking the Patriots to win over the Dolphins here. Bills went over the Jets. And then I'm not smart enough to figure out how that will shake out. Who's playing where? Uh, the rest of the way through. So Yeah, I mean, I see both teams winning there too. I don't think that – I know that there's no way that the Bills lose to the Jets. But with the Patriots and Dolphins, I think that one has potential to be a close game. Oh, well, it looks like, it looks like the – Bills have a four and one divisional record and the Patriots have a three and two. And since they're both playing uh, divisional games, if they both win, then Buffalo will hold that spot. Okay. So they'll have the home field. Yeah. Okay. All right. Sweet. So then looking good for Buffalo in that sense. Looking good for Buffalo. Which is surprising because I gave them a lot of crap saying that they're the worst good team in the NFL. Yeah, they kind of got lucky, you know, down the stretch, playing the Falcons, getting that win against the Patriots, yeah. Panthers, uh, you know, even the Saints. Uh, you know, when you get to play the Jets twice a year, that's always a good thing. Uh, getting to play the Texans and the – did they play the Jaguars? Jaguars. Uh, obviously, Patriots played all, a lot of those same teams. But, yeah, again, they still haven't beat – they beat the Patriots in a pretty dominating fashion – uh, wasn't necessarily, I guess, as big of a difference as the score would show as the Patriots were right in it up to the end. Uh, but outside of that, they still don't have a statement win unless you count their win against the Chiefs early in the season when the Chiefs were just in complete disarray. So Yeah. No, definitely. So 
looking good for, I would say, both those teams. Um, Bill Belichick back in the playoffs, though. Impressive. First, first true year without Tom Brady. True rookie at, at the position, quarterback position. So mm-hmm. Bill Belichick just continues to show that he's the greatest coach of all time. He doesn't owe all of his success to Tom Brady, though he I does do. owe some of it. A little bit, but I mean, I don't know. I've been, I was more of a Tom Brady guy over Bill Belichick guy over the past years, but I think this year has it's been pretty impressive to me uh, uh, with what he's done with that team. So, um, Arizona currently at the five seed have another NFC West matchup with the Seahawks, and the Seahawks are coming off a pretty big win against the Lions putting up 51 points. Russell Wilson throwing for three touchdowns. So, I mean, pretty dominant win over the Lions, though. So, I mean, really any win over the Lions is dominant because you're not going to put up less than 25 on them. Uh, so, Cardinals, 11-5 and five against they the Hot Seahawks. Yeah, and they don't have a lot to play for here. Uh, even with a win and a Rams loss, I think that the – Rams hold the one seed with the tiebreaker uh, over them. So I would not expect them to even play their starters this full game, you know, again, with no bye, you know, coming off this week. So I I like the Seahawks in this game. They're coming off a big game, but uh, at the same time, I'm not convinced that Russ isn't just throwing games uh, and when winning games when he wants to, Uh, I guess if he wants somebody to trade for him, he's got to, ball out so boy i don't know there's so many just unknowns in this game whether or not cardinals are going to play it all the way through but like i said i think that it's more just where they're going to seed out in and uh you know if they drop a spot that it's almost beneficial because they play a worse team worst team or maybe they're right at the seed where they stay so in any case not a not a major news story there but I think it'd be good for the Seahawks to at least get to seven and ten uh, versus six and eleven. That looks a whole lot better for Pete Carroll. Yeah. Uh, so you know he's going to want to get a W. Yeah, I mean he's going to have to put something together here in the final season of the game if he wants to stay around. Um, with Pete Carroll though, I could see him like even if they do go six and eleven, maybe having another shot next year with the Seahawks only because this is their first losing season. I don't think they'll fire him because he had one losing season with Russell Wilson, but I think if he goes back to back losing seasons, which if Russell Wilson leaves is pretty likely, um, then I think that you might have some Pete Carroll implications there. So, but I think for now he's okay. Even if they do go six and 11, you know, going to the, going to the postseason. um, little fresh and get a little more time than a lot of the other teams that you might be competing with next year to build up a little bit. But um, if I'm the Seahawks, I'm putting everything into trying to get Russell Wilson to stay, which I know is so unlikely, but I mean, he's your hopes of a winning season next year. So, yeah. But um, yeah, I don't even know. I still have a hard time understanding, you know, what the issues are that are so, so major that you can't overcome them. You know, again, this team imploded. The defense imploded. Uh, they lost their culture because Pete Carroll wanted to do everything he could to make this Russell Wilson's team 
And then when it became Russell Wilson's team, Russell Wilson said that it, it wasn't enough. Uh, it, it was hard to hard to like for people to look at this and not think that Russell Wilson just being incredibly selfish. Uh, yes, they haven't been the most successful in certain areas, but at the same time, they've done what they can to bring in defensive pieces. They've done what they can to get guys like DK and try to always have a run game available. So Deshaun Watson, Seahawks, 2022. Yeah, we'll see I'd like to see him make a comeback into the league, but there's so many things that have to happen with him. First, we have to make sure he's not a criminal. Yeah. And then if he's not a criminal. You have to make sure he's good at football. Oh, he's good at football. But still. He's elite at football. Is he still good at football, though? Oh, he's still good at football. He hasn't played in a year. Yeah. Means he's just more fresh. (laughs) He's that guy. He's a year older. We down to the Buccaneers-Panthers yet? Yeah. Buccaneers, Panthers. Tom Brady could throw for 560 yards this week and set the single season record for passing, which is just wild. What makes that pop into your head, though? Well, because Peyton Manning has the record. Well, yeah. 5,564 yards. How is Tom Brady going to do that? Well, Tom Brady's leading the league in passing. Yes. 4,990 yards. The only guy in the league who could do that right now is Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow. Uh, but it just goes to show how spectacular of a record that Peyton Manning set. Yeah. That in the first season of a more pass-heavy offensive league, Tom Brady's leading the league currently, 4,990 yards and 40 touchdowns. Still a great season, just shy of 5,000 yards. 5,000 yards seems like it just comes you know, a dime a dozen these days, but – uh, spectacular season for Tom Brady. As much as I hate it, of course. Of course, why wouldn't you when you have the number one pass blocking line in football and 18 number one wide receivers on your team, as well as six number one tight ends, three number one running backs. Does anybody else even have players, or they just all play for the Bucks? Um. Well, the ones that don't play for the Bucks will soon. Yeah. Because Tom Brady's a recruiter. So, obviously, the Antonio Brown stuff's going on. Mike Evans stuff. They're not going to want to push Mike Evans here. Yeah, you're going to uh, need him for the You playoffs. need him in the playoffs. He's going to be your guy out there. Uh, so, I think the Buccaneers will roll through the Panthers, though. They've just been terrible. But what? will the Buccaneers pull out a secret weapon? What's, what's the secret weapon? My boy. Odell? Terrell Owens. Oh, Tio, 48 years old, pining for a comeback. He says, AB left, bring him in. Hey, AB to T.O. I was just talking about this earlier. <laughs> I mean, I know T.O. played till he was 37 years old, but, I mean, the guy still looks like an absolutely physical freak out there. Uh, it's just amazing that his, his, uh, you know, his ego, much like Antonio Brown, got in his way because he probably could have played till till 42. As wide receiver in this league. I mean, his final year in the league, he had 937 receiving yards or something like that. Um, that's not usually a, a receiver's number to walk away. Hey, I just nearly had a 1,000-yard receiving year. I'm just going to hang him up. Uh, obviously, nobody wanted him. But, boy, Tom Brady's probably sitting there thinking, like, we'll just get this dude out here just running You're routes. thinking about it. I mean. I I wouldn't not be thinking about you it. You know he's still got the hands. Yeah. He I'm might not still have the quickness and the shiftiness, but he's. If, if, if he can come in and, and jump 36 inches, 
You're probably bringing them in. He'd take them jump balls. Mike Evans, Gronk, T.O. I mean, if the if the Bucks were desperate enough, they could just bring in the duo and also go out for Deion Sanders, too. Hey, now we're talking. <laughs> hey, Deion's, Deion's a little busy coaching, recruiting. Doing a great job with it, too. Doing Aflac commercials <laughs> with my boy Saban. So, yeah, this is an exciting week. Uh, obviously, with the, the change of the playoffs and the extras, the extra week in the season gives us just more time to talk about the playoffs. Uh, Jonathan Taylor, 266 yards away from a record. Uh, I just, Cooper Cup, hang on, 150 while, yards away from a record. While we're in this episode, I want to point out the fact that Derrick Henry has played eight games this year, hasn't been in since week eight, and is still number six in rushing yards this year at 937, I think it is. You know, and to some extent that's impressive, but at the same time, it's impressive. He was averaging 27.37 carries per game, and there's a reason he had a season-ending injury. I don't believe in analytics to a major, major extent, but basically every running back that's gone over, I think, like 320 carries the year before, if they get on that pace again, they will go out with a season-ending injury. It's just too violent of a sport, and obviously Henry was the recipient of that Uh you know, I think he's too violent of a man. Oh, 100%. I mean, when you're 250 pounds and you run a 4-40, you know, I guess when you're that big and you're running into somebody at 21 miles an hour, it's a bit of a collision. So, uh, yeah, I mean, it's pretty spectacular. But like I was saying, Cooper Cup. My boy. Just about ready to break a record. Granted, he's going to need 17 games to do it. Calvin Johnson did it in 16. All it's right. sad that we're in this transitional era because obviously 10 years from now, five years from now even, it'll just be what it is. But I do now understand all those old-timers who are like, yeah, but I set that record in a 12-game season. I'm just looking at a one-game difference, and I'm like, yeah, but <laughs> he did it in one less game. So I think that will be a conversation to have, but definitely on the verge of potentially seeing a lot of records broke, which we expected to be the case. While we have a few minutes left, I'm going to answer your question from last episode of can Odell be a number three receiver? Number three? Yeah, when Robert Woods comes back, he'll be a number oh. three. Yeah, anyways, I think we talked about him being a number two. Yeah. But he'll be a number three. Meaning, I don't know. I think he will. Anyways, did you see the shirt he was warming up in? The back said, we, not me. And I think hey. this is showing He's making a transition. He's no longer, and we were texting back and forth about this, he's no longer your deep ball guy. I mean, can he get there? Yeah. Will he get there? No. It'll be Cooper Cup. He's not going to be your 60-yard touchdown guy anymore, but he's going to be that fourth and seven guy who comes up in clutch and then catches that speed out from the six-yard line for the game-winning touchdown. He is that guy. Hey, I mean, he's he's doing it. Uh, obviously, he came into a perfect situation. Uh, the question is, will he be able to overcome some adversity? I mean, he came into a playoff team. He came in having the number two wide receiver go down the week he got there. Immediately got jettisoned into the number two in a pass-heavy pass offense. My question is, can he continue to do it? He's doing it right now. He's looking really good. I'm really really impressed with what everything he's been able to do so far. Uh, I, hope for, I hope for it. Um, I was a huge Odell fan. 
you know, he came in the league and everything he did. Uh, but he's just made those me, me, me decisions. It's made me question things. And so if he can pull it off, if he can continue to improve the way he's been improving, I mean, they might part ways with Robert Woods. I'd have to look at contracts and things like that. That's a whole other conversation. Yeah, That's some off-season that. stuff that we'll be getting into, but I'm impressed. He's looking a lot more like his former self. And uh, I was just thinking of that reel you sent me where him <laughs> and the Vikings player ran into each other and they both fell on the ground and grabbed their knees. So, yeah, there's a highlight. And Odell went up for a block and, like, blocked the guy, and then they both just, like, fell over. Then they both held the same knee. Yeah. He gives a right knee. They both go for the right knee. I don't know. Maybe they bumped knees, but it looked like Odell saw he was hurt, so then Odell tried to pretend to be hurt too. But who knows? He's getting old, so not blaming him. All right. Well, we got playoff pictures closing up this weekend. We'll be back to you Monday night with how everything's wrapping up. Until then, we'll see you next time.